Good morning, North Bullet Christian Church. It's good to be back up here. Um, and uh, Keith asked me a while back ago if I'd be interested in preaching and, and uh, said, if you are, just be thinking about topics. What would you like to preach on or different things like that? So um, <coughs> in doing that, <coughs> excuse me, I will be bringing a uh, message on peace today. But um, I, I've, <coughs> sorry, I've preached here several times in the past, and, and a lot of you guys know that. We were without a pastor for about 10 months, or maybe longer. <clears throat> and every time I preached, I started the sermon with a pastor update. I would say, hey guys, here we are. Um, I, I was a part of the crew that was uh, trying to find a pastor. And with that being said, I just I went back and listened to some of my sermons. Every single one of them, uh, except one, started with a pastor update. So I thought, man, it, it just wouldn't feel right. If I didn't give a pastor update today, uh, we have had Keith and Karen here for five months. <clears throat> and I just wanted to, to do a hand clap and say thank you, Jesus, for uh, bringing us together. I, it's definitely a God thing. Getting, getting Keith and Karen all the way here from California has been a blessing. And, and to see God work through the ten months and, and through the church has been just an absolute blessing. So I wanted to give them a hand clap. Thank them for coming and give God a hand clap. Give God a hand clap. All right. Uh, again, I feel like peace is something that uh, if I had something right now in this day and age in our church, in our community, our households, in our world that I could preach on, it would be peace. So before we start the message, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son who died on the cross for us to give us a way to you. Thank you, Father, for North Bullet Christian Church and just thank you for your many, many, many blessings you've given us. Uh, please be with me today as I try to unfold a little bit about peace in this crazy world. Just uh, bless our church and, and help me to uh, glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so with uh, peace being the topic, <clears throat> thank you, sir, Kyle. Um, peace being the topic and, and thinking through it, um, I can't unpack everything about peace today. There's just absolutely no way. So I had to just pick and choose a couple little things that I wanted to touch on. Um, and also, I know we want to go to White Mills today. Uh, nobody wants me to preach until 2 o'clock and, and miss all the fun activities. So uh, I want to uh, get us in and out of here and uh, pack, unpack what I can on peace that I think will help us. We're going to go through quite a few verses in the Bible. Um, I will have the slides for most of them. And the ones I don't have, uh, I'll just quote them for you. So um, be prepared. Um, we do have Wi-Fi here now, so you should be able to hook up to that if you want to use your electronic device, or if you're old school like me and have your Bible, um, I'll be patient as we turn pages. Our first section of Scripture is going to be Mark chapter 4, and just trying to get a, an idea of what peace is, maybe define peace a little bit. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. <clears throat> Uh, that day, it's a little, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go to the other side, and it should be lake there, the other side of the river, or lake. Leaving the crowd behind, they took Jesus along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up, just in case you're not sure what a squall is, that would be a storm. A furious storm came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke Jesus and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus gets up, rebuked the wind and the waves, or rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. <clears throat> then the wind died down. And it was completely calm. It was completely calm. I, I read that verse in several different translations and whatnot. Uh, verse 39 is the one I'm pointing to. He rebuked, 
he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. The, some other translations there say, peace, be still. King James Version, ESV, and, and different ones will say, peace, be still. What is he trying to say then? That, that gives me the idea or the backdrop for the whole message of what is peace. If I were to say, what is peace, I would say it would be like being on a lake in the complete calmness of the lake. If you ever get up super early in the morning and go fishing or go to a lake or get there before boats start going by or uh, kids start swimming or anything else, the water is almost at a standstill. It is completely calm and it's super peaceful. If you hear something jump even across the other side of the lake, it'll catch your attention and you'll look because it's so quiet outside. So when I think of peace and when I read these verses, it, it makes me think that peace is to be quiet and calm and with the Lord and in a, in a situation where there's not much going on. How does that relate to today? When you think of peace and quiet and calmness, how does that relate to today in a world of smartphones and news, and TV, radio, music, audiobooks? There's always something. There's always something to fill your ears with. There's always something going on. There's always something that dings. Bing, you know, you get an alert. Um, that is a blessing and a curse. You, you like to hear from family members, but at the same token, you don't want to hear every single thing going on through the world. But your phone is ever so constant. The internet is ever so constant. And it's a distraction. In a world of information, we have so much information at our hands, you would think that, and knowledge, or, or you would think that in a world of so much information, we would be so much smarter. Does anybody think that? Like, with all this access... To every book you could think of, you could, you could probably get an, a Harvard education by using your smartphone, the internet, and uh, renting some books and whatnot. You could probably do the whole course that somebody at Harvard could do through your phone. But instead, we play on Facebook. We play doo-doo jump. We, you know, I, I, don't, I don't even know, but you can, I, that's probably not a real game. Don't Google that. <laughs> I made doo-doo jump up. I don't know if that's a real game. <laughs> My point is, it's such a distraction. It's such a waste of time. How much time do we spend on our phones? I, and I work and use my phone for work too, but I get an alert like once a week that says, hey, your time was better this week. You were only on your phone four hours a day. And I go, four hours a day? Oh, man, and I, I don't... I, don't judge me. I don't know what you all spend on your phone, but yeah, it's even worse. Uh, thanks, Becca. Um, <clears throat> and it said I did better this week than I did last week. So my point is, how much time do we spend on our phones? How much time is the distraction? And if we are being distracted, that are we distracting ourselves with the right things? What are we putting in our minds and what are we doing? It's, it's such a distraction. And when we compare that to what Jesus says, you know, the peace be still, uh, we're, we're not calming our minds. There's too many distractions. What else distracts us? We have works, job, income, possessions. I, work, job, and income. That's all the same thing. Possessions, labors, you know, we are always busy. We always have somewhere to go, something to do, somebody to please, somebody to, you know, take somewhere. Uh, lunches to be made and, and everything else. We are always busy and distracted. I wanted to look at peace in two situations and, and the second one I'll get to later. But first, just peace in our everyday lives. I want to now turn to Matthew chapter 6. For many of you who know me, this is one of my favorite sections of scripture, period. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 is the start of a story that I absolutely love. It's kind of big or small on the screen, and I apologize, but uh, hopefully you're following along in your Bible, and, and let's read it together. Jesus, speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, he starts a story and says like this, and, and therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not much more important than they are? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we wear for the pagans or heathens or people without God? They run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Your heavenly Father knows you need these things. Verse 33, this is my favorite verse in the Bible. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow... For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's, uh, let's dissect that a little bit and, and hopefully I can explain why this is my favorite passage in, in the Bible. In the, in the beginning, in verse 25, um, she, she may go up, hopefully you're following along. In verse 25, it makes a little statement that says, Is not life more than food? Is not life more than food? That takes you outside of every day we, our every, my, I wake up and work 40 to 50 hours a week just trying to make money. Every week. Sometimes I reflect on that and I go, man, am I wasting my time? Is there something better I could be doing? Is the money even worth it? I don't know if anybody else thinks like that, but I do. Sometimes I do. I don't want to go to work. <clears throat> so, uh, but you got to eat, and God will provide. He says He will provide right here. But isn't life more important than the food? And isn't the body more important than clothes? What He's trying to say is, don't always be in the rat race. Don't always, don't just live your life to make a check. Enjoy the little things in life. Enjoy your family. Enjoy loved ones. Enjoy and and God. In my opinion, the the family and God are the most important two things in your life. And when you enjoy those things and not get involved or be just completely bogged down by the rat race, you will be at more peace. Then he says uh, in verse, uh, notice the birds of the air. 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. The very next spot there. Are you not much more valuable than they? Are you not much more valuable than they? It's the fourth line up. Neat statement about this. I've I seen on Facebook uh, something, so I get on there too. I'm not saying I, I'm perfect at these things. I'm just trying to, I'm talking to you guys and myself. I've seen on Facebook a meme or something that said, if someone is caught destroying a bald eagle egg, they will go to jail. Is that interesting? Because that's, they'll go to jail if you destroy an egg of an unborn eagle. And then it says some kind of crazy stat about abortion. And how many abortions are done legally. And I don't want to get off on this topic, but I want to point to you how the world views babies and, and eggs of birds. And then point to what God says, or what Jesus said. Are you not much more valuable than they? He's talking about birds. I think when you realize, I believe, with all my soul, when you realize God loves you, you will be at more peace in your everyday life. He loves you more than birds. He loves you more than animals. God died on the cross for you. And... I, I hate to be political on that, but I just wanted to point out what Jesus says. Jesus cares about each and every one of us. We are more valuable than birds of the air. Can any one of you, he throws out in verse 27, I had that bolded, but uh, that's okay. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Then we go forward and we talk about Solomon and all his glory and all his splendor. Um, 
These are in uh, verses 29. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, so he's talking about the, the grass of the field. I'm sorry, let's go back to 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. It would be nice if, if we didn't have to get, you know, there's so many things that people do to groom themselves. I'm not even going to get into it. But the flowers don't even labor or, or spin or do anything and they grow. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. For you who don't know who Solomon was, he was considered the richest man in the world in his day. And he had a uh, temple built for God. He had a huge house. He had all these orchards and gardens and everything else. And what God is saying, what Jesus is saying here is not even Solomon in all his glory was as beautiful as what God can do in an open field. The open field doesn't even have to be tended. God can do it naturally. Just, just, and, and for what? For what? Just for us to enjoy. Driving by a field, looking across, seeing a beautiful meadow of flowers and deer and whatever else you know you see out there is just absolutely beautiful to see. And it's for it's just for a season. It's gonna go away in the in the wintertime. It's gonna be destroyed. And God does that for us. And and then he goes on to say in verse thirty two. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. So if we're not to seek after money, riches, storing up stuff and, and cleaning our bodies up and grooming and everything else we do to our bodies to, to clean us up, what are we to seek after? Jesus says in the very next verse, verse 33, again, my favorite verse in Scripture, I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Seek first. What does that mean? I would say it's before making a big decision. Any big decision you have to make in your life, pray. Seek first means when you get good news, thank you Jesus. When you get bad news, Jesus help me. But, but one thing I think it means, and this is where this verse gets really real to me. First thing in the morning. First thing in the morning. Do you have a quiet time with the Lord? I ask that one more time. Do you guys have a quiet time with the Lord? Think about that. Do you have a time when there's no cell phones, no distractions, no kids, no nothing? A quiet time, just you and the Lord. No work. Do you ever set your alarm and get up before everyone else? This is cool in my household because i got two little ones. The home is quiet. It's just you and the Lord. If you can set your phone away and not touch it, you'll be just you and the Lord uninterrupted time with God. When I made a commitment in my life that I, I want to seek God and I need some alone time with God, not today, not yesterday, every day. And I started setting my alarm early. It was a game changer. That's why this verse means so much to me. Absolute game changer in my whole life perspective, what I thought, what I did. No cell phone, no kids, a cup of coffee. I have a cup of coffee. <laughs> I don't know how y'all are about coffee, but I love to drink coffee and read the Bible. Um, it's life-changing. It's life-changing for me. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. King James says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Matthew 6.33, game-changer. Incorporate that and you will have a changed life. I promise. Um, I got a quote from A.W. Tozer. It just popped up onto my news feed on Twitter like yesterday or two days ago. And um, I was like, man, that is, that's neat. Because I'm going to use that in my sermon. I'm straight to use that. Only after all the noise has spent itself do we begin to hear in the silence of our hearts the voice of God. Remember what I said? Do you ever get alone with God? Read the Bible and pray. Only after all the noise has spent itself. That, that implies that there's so much stuff going on in our lives. There's so much noise filtering through our minds. Only after we get all of that out of ourselves. Only after we get that away. We, we, we get alone with the Lord. Only after all the noise has spent itself do we begin to hear in the silence. That's, that's almost like an uh, oxymoron or something. When do we hear? We hear in the silence. Only then do we hear in the silence of our hearts the voice of God. I love that. And 
And that's, that's what I mean. Get alone with the Lord. Get no distractions. Pray. Pray, you know, and, and you can do that with your, you know, your spouse or family as well. But I like to also do that by myself. <clears throat> Jesus lives this out. If, when you read your Bible, also, you will just stumble onto things <clears throat> that will help you that day. Jesus, throughout the Bible, gets away from everyone and prays. Jesus departed unto a hill away from his disciples and he prayed. That, that, is, that is mentioned a ton of times. Even when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he goes to be crucified on the cross, him and his disciples go so far, and then what Jesus do? He went a little bit further, about a stone's throw away, and he gets on his knees and he's just praying. And sweat drops of blood are coming out. He's, he's alone with the Lord. And he's the Son of God. Like, if somebody didn't need to, it didn't seem like they needed to go and get alone with God, to me it would be Jesus, because he's the Son of God. But anyway, that, that is a strong point to what I'm saying. We need to get alone with God. We need to have uh, free time. Uh, and when we get away, we give God the opportunity to speak to our hearts. And that's the ultimate goal of life. You might think the ultimate goal of life is to reach some goal, but it's not. Um, it's to get alone with God. Seek first the kingdom and put away all distractions. I believe that this is the second clear path to total peace. The second, getting alone with God. I'll come to the first later. It's a personal relationship with God. Next verse. We're going to, like I said, we're skipping around. Now we are in Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. This is another one of Daryl DeVore's favorite verses. And this is, you know, peace can always be sought, but it can probably never be totally had. Does that make sense? You can always be striving for peace. You could always get better at peace. But then just when you think you have peace in this situation, something's going to come in over here and try to take your peace away. But you have to give these to God. Uh, Revelations 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. <laughs> that says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. I don't like it as much. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's what the King James says when it starts out. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Or here I am. I stand at the, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. <laughs> I studied this quite extensively. Tongue in cheek. The ancient Hebrew for this is a picture of Jesus standing at your front door and, and it's a glass door. He can see right in your house. And He's knocking and He's calling and He can see that you're on your phone playing on Facebook. That's what it means in ancient Hebrew. In the Greek version, in the Greek version, it says He's standing on the door knocking and He's trying to get your attention but you're on your cell phone working. And you can't put your cell phone down long enough to let Jesus in. And what's it mean when somebody comes in the house and eats with you and dines with you? That's like family. Does that make sense? That's like family. That's a relationship. I don't let just anybody come in my house and dine with me. Jesus is knocking at your door. The ancient Egyptian hieroglyphic version, when you see it scrolled on the walls of the pyramids... This, one, this one's me. I, had to, I can't just knock everybody. I had to get on me. Jesus is standing at the door knocking, but you're too busy telling Chris Mack what offense to run because UofL is getting beat right now and you're mad about it. That touches home. When I say that, that's how it hurts me because sometimes I'm a little bit too much into my sports and I know I am. And I see where my issues are. And the, the reason I bring up the ancient Greek, the Hebrew, and the hieroglyphics is to say... We all have a version of that, don't we? That's my version. What is your version of, behold, I stand at the door and knock? Let him in. Why aren't you letting him in? Does that make sense? Where, what is holding you back?
from having a true relationship with Jesus Christ? What is holding you back from not opening the door and letting Him in and come and dine with you? If you want real, if you want God to be real in your life, and you want peace, you're going to have to do something to make God a priority. You're going to have to do something. I don't know what it is. I can't explain that for you. You probably do or don't have peace based on your answer to, is God a priority in your life? Is God a priority in your life or is everything else in your life more important? Tough questions. Is God a priority in your life? You've probably, you know, based on how you answer that is is probably how the peace is according in your life. Um, according to Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you. That's powerful. Now I want to switch gears a little bit and, and keep going through this peace thing. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. We have P, uh, Philippians 4. This is near the end of the book of Philippians. And Paul is kind of uh, giving them a final yahoo, a final encouragement. Like, hey guys, do this, 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 and this. And... and uh, you will, it'll be well with you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Paul stating to the Philippian church, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And here's where we start seeing it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by what? By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. What what is that saying? Don't be anxious for anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. That's saying, don't be anxious for anything. Pray. Pray. When something makes you anxious, pray. It's the same thing that Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. Seek first. Don't worry about these things. Seek first God. What's Paul say here? Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, petition God. It's saying, pray. Your job, pray. Your boyfriend, your husband, pray. Your kids, pray. Your family, pray. In every situation, pray. Don't be anxious about these things. Put it in God's hands. There is or will be. Did you get that? There currently is or there will be a time when there's nothing you can do about a situation. Has anyone ever been there? Yeah. There will be, or currently is, a time when there is nothing you can physically do about a situation except pray. And that's, that's what he's saying here. Does, does that mean you won't have trouble? No. But sometimes I pray for something so much, and I just keep praying... And it doesn't happen. What does that mean? God didn't want it to happen. I didn't realize it at the time, but as time goes by, you realize God is working. Uh, we have, and, and Keith spoke on prayer, so there's, there's going to be points that I say that sound like Keith, and I apologize. I, I told Keith, I said, dude, you hit on like four of my topics today. And he goes, he goes uh, I said, man, i got to preach this next week. He said, uh, he said, they need to hear it again. Tell them again. He didn't even ask me what it was. He just said, they need to hear it again. God, if that's your point, say it again. I'm going to say it again. Remember Romans 8, 28? Keith touched on that. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God. Does it make sense all the time? No. But we know that all things... What does that mean? That sometimes when I'm in my prayer closet or I'm at the, the, the table at the house drinking a cup of coffee and praying for something and I'm like, man, I... Fe- Come on, God, work with me here, and I'm going to keep praying for it. If God didn't answer the door the first time, I'm not that guy to go, well, God must not want me to have it. If it's something I feel is important, I am going to pray for it every single day, especially when it's my family 
or friends. But anyway, I know, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. There's many situations that's happened to me that I covered and covered and covered in prayer. And if it doesn't happen, I still know that God loves me. I still know that God is working through the situation. I don't know how. And I don't have to know how. But I do know this. God loves me. God's going to take care of me. And all things work together for good for those who love God. So then, why is my prayer not answered? I don't know. Uh, Jesus, when telling his disciples that he's about to leave this world and he's going to give them a Holy Spirit to comfort them while he was gone, makes a very interesting statement. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says this statement to his disciples. Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give you. I do not give, and I'm going to add peace here because that's what he's saying. I do not give peace to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This verse I don't have a ton on, but I want to show you one thing. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. What is he saying here? The peace of the world and the peace of Jesus are as far away from each other as they can be. The peace of Jesus is different than the peace of the world. So what is he saying? Let's, let's, let's look at the peace of the world. The peace of the world is saying, you know, if you... If your job does this well, if you get this promotion to this management spot, if you sell this many of this product, if you reach this step in the ladder, if you knock down that goal, you've made it. Or that's what you tell yourself. I've made it. If I could only just be the manager, I will make it. If I could only just sell so many cars, I've made it. If I could only just uh, put in 600 hours this week and make a gazillion dollars in overtime, I'll be right. Um, I've, I've never done this, but I'm actually going to quote a Christian rapper because he drives this home. There's a Christian rapper named NF that, that I've recently heard from the guys playing basketball. Anyway, he states, he makes an, a very awesome statement that, that drives home. I've quoted... Uh, Robbie Zacharias on this before too, so I don't want to just keep using the same quote, so i got to mix it up a little. Um, I'm not going to rap it though, so don't look at me like that, Heidi. I'm not rapping it. I see what you're thinking. Um, he says, uh, Chris, NF says, you may get a glimpse of happiness from your achievements. You may get a glimpse of happiness from your achievements, but what you learn as you get older is, every time you reach one, You'll just make another goal that doesn't lead to freedom. How true is that? You think, oh, if I just get this promotion. Oh, if I just get this much money. Oh, if I just get this girl. I'll be set. I'll be happy. But then when that happens, I reach this goal. I reach this or that. I, I sell that many things. What do you do when you're there? What do you do when you've hit that mark? If you have a boss like mine, they go, awesome. Now you need to hit... This mark. And that's the way life is. It's a never-ending struggle. You'll never have peace in that system because that isn't peace. Working yourself to death to hit this goal is not peace. Because once you hit that goal, what's next? Think of this. Dabo Sweeney, college football. And, and who's the Alabama coach? I, uh, Nick Saban. How many championships have they won? Anybody know? Don't worry about it. That was a facetious question. I stopped. They won a ton of championships already between them. Probably almost 10 between them, I'd say. Okay. I didn't say Alabama. I said the coach. Okay. So between them, though, they've won a ton of championships. And they win almost every single year, one of the two. Which one of them went, I did it, and quit? Neither one. They're coaching this year. It's because it's never enough. When you have goals in this world and, and the peace, the, the things that, that the world tells you will bring peace does not bring peace. It just leads you to another goal. And that's what I'm trying to say. When, when you work that way, when you are striving for these things, you will never reach peace. It's a vicious cycle. But what does peace from Jesus look like? 
See my verse there? I leave you my peace. I leave with you my peace I give you. Or peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Then what, what Daryl, is Jesus' peace? The best way I can explain this is with a child. Especially one that doesn't walk well. Or one that is still younger and they're scared of things like the dark or strangers, or going into a new place, or walking through a hallway, they will come and squeeze your leg and want you to pick them up. That is the peace Jesus gives us the opportunity to get a hold of. If we just open up the door and let Him in and grab a hold of His leg and hold on... He's going to carry us through that situation. When, when you see the famous poem, if nobody's ever read that, I bet some of you have, some of you haven't. There's a famous poem called Footprints. And when you read that poem, there's two footprints in the sand. And at some spots in the guy's worst time of his life, there was only one set of footprints. And he says, it's God and a person that are looking at these footprints together. And uh, the man goes, man, in my worst times of my life, God, why were you not with me? If you were there, it would have been better. And God said, no. I was there, I was carrying you. You have to let God carry you, or you will not have peace in this world. Sorry. Um, so, peace from Jesus is more like the carrying peace of a father when a father grabs their kid when they're scared and walks them through whatever situation that is they're worried about. And they squeeze onto you tight because they think. Heidi's going to make them go to that class they don't want to go to. <laughs> sorry. You're, I'm sorry. I should, I should have said Karen. Um, um, my point is, do you grab a hold of Father? Do you grab a hold of Jesus like He's going to take care of you? Do you believe Jesus can protect you from your fears, your sadness, your insecurities, your losses. Search out and cling to Jesus. And I got, I got one more topic. What about, Daryl, you know everything doesn't revolve around earthly goals. What about, and this is tough, what about losing a husband or a wife or a child? What about cancer? What about death? What about prodigal children? What about divorce, Daryl? What about these things that are so tough you can't do anything about it? Where's, where's the Bible verse for that? What, what do you have, Daryl? Some situations, and, and you get these, it, that's tough. All of these things are tough. All I can say is this peace in this situation doesn't come without a strong faith. That Jesus is carrying you. Until you learn to give Jesus all the little things and see Him walking with you every day, these bigger ones might destroy you. And, and that's why I wanted to harp on everything else before we got here. But I can tell you one thing. Don't ever doubt... I love this. Don't ever doubt the love of God. Don't ever doubt the love of God. When Jesus was in the upper room again in John, and now we're skipping forward to chapter 16. If, if you go to chapter John and read 14 through 17 or 13 and a half through 17, you'll see a long discourse with Jesus just encouraging and praying for his disciples. And what they don't realize is he's about to go to the cross and die. Does that make sense? He is about to go to the cross and die. They don't get it all the way, and he's trying to explain it to them. In John chapter 16, verse 32... Jesus points this out. He says, a time is coming, and in fact, has come, when you'll be scattered, each to your own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet, look at this next section. Yet, I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Jesus I am not alone. My Father is with me. What's he saying? He's talking about getting crucified. He's talking about the pure evilness of mankind 
destroying I mean, they beat, they nearly beat him to death, and then they nail him to a cross. Sometimes when I think about the tough things going on in my life, and I think about what mankind, the evilness of man did to Jesus, it's, it's humbling. It's, it's so terrible. And that's me. I, I was like that. I'm like that guy every time I... Anyway, another story. But the evilness of man killed him, but Jesus never doubted the love of God. He said, all of you are going to leave me. I already know this, but I'm not alone. God is with me. When we are going through these tough situations that we have no control over, don't ever doubt the love of God. Always know that Jesus is with you. When you have that relationship already with Jesus, when you've done these things, you will realize that Jesus is with you. And then he goes on in verse 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Peace. In this world... You will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen. I've told you these things in advance. This is the very next verse. You guys are all going to leave me, but it's okay. I'm with the Father. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus didn't promise that you wouldn't have trouble. You catch that? He didn't promise that you wouldn't have trouble. He promised that He would be there with you. And if you are daily reaching out to God, if you are daily in His Word and praying, it will make these situations better. As the, as the band comes forward, well, yeah, as the band comes forward, uh, Jesus didn't promise you wouldn't have trouble. And the Bible is full of examples like this. When you get alone with God and you learn how to cope with these things, you, you will learn how to cope with these things. And if you abide in God, read the Word. Let's take a small trip through the Word that just kind of explains my point here. And I don't have time to bring them all out, but we already read one. When the disciples were in the boat and a storm was beating the boat to death, the disciples thought they were going to die did Jesus jump off the boat and start walking across the lake and leave them in there and be like, nah, I'm, I'm out, you know, I'm done with that. No. Jesus calmed the wind and the waves. He was in the boat with them. Joseph. It's a movie about Joseph. I'm sorry. Y'all that don't come to class. Anyway, Joseph. In the book of Genesis, there's a fellow by the name of Joseph. Joseph was 13 years in slavery and prison without his doing anything. His brothers got him sold into slavery. But he never doubted the love of God the whole time. He hung tight that God loved him no matter what. And he was exalted in the end. There were some Hebrew slaves in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, that would not bow down and worship the God of that time. And the king said, if anyone doesn't bow down and worship our God, they're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. They said, nope, we will only worship the Lord God in heaven, their God, our God. And the king, through, you would think that God would protect them and not allow them to go into the fiery furnace. But that's not the case. But what did happen is when the king threw them in the fiery furnace... God was there with him. There was, didn't we throw three in there? Why is there four in there? And one looks like the Son of God. That's the king's exact statement. Maybe a little Daryl translation there, but pretty close. Hip-hop version. So, Job, we've spoke on all these people too. Job lost his whole family, everything he had. But when he got alone with God, God said, Where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? And it made... Job changed his whole thing. He realized God was with him. God is with him. We don't understand all his ways or what he's doing, but never doubt the love of God. Mary Magdalene lost her brother Lazarus, and he was sick. He was sick for a while, and Mary had already seen Jesus heal all kinds of sick people, and they were calling for Jesus. Jesus, come. Jesus, come. My brother's sick. Jesus, come. Jesus didn't come, and he died. And when Mary runs into Jesus, this is in John chapter 11, so you don't think I'm making it up. 
When Mary runs into Jesus, she says, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have lived. And what did Jesus do? Did he say, come on, man, I'm going to raise him from the dead. Come on. You know, Jesus, he put his arm around her, and, and I'm pretty sure it's 1135. He says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. You will have trouble in this world. But be strong. Jesus has overcome the world. Keith made a statement that... Anyway, there's a quote I have for Keith. Did you put that slide on there, Keith? Alright, well, anyway. Keith quoted the other day. Your opinion of the kingdom of God affects greatly how you fear about the here and now. He removed his name. Keith did my slides. He removed his name. Your opinion of the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God affects greatly how you feel about the here and now. If your hope is in this world, you will be greatly let down. What, what he was trying to say is when you are kingdom focused, the things of this world are recognized as temporary. We have a lot more years together after this world than we do in this earthly kingdom. We are talking about eternity. Eternity. We have to be kingdom focused. We can't worry about every little thing going on in this world because that's not this world. Jesus said in, in John 4 when talking to the woman at the well that you will worship me in spirit. She says, should we worship you on this mountain or that temple? He says, their day is coming when you will worship me in spirit. Until you realize Jesus is spirit and this world is not our final resting place, this current world, you will always be beaten up by this world. You have to never doubt the love of God. You have to know that Jesus cares for you. <clears throat> the kingdom of God, and, and this is why it's so important to get alone with God. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest of all seeds. But when it's planted in the ground and it grows up, it turns into a tree so big that even the birds of the air can rest in it. What that's saying is, when you make a commitment to get alone with God every day, and you're praying and reading your word and growing yourself every day, your relationship and your walk with God may start out like a small mustard seed. But as you water the grass, keep the weeds out, spend time with the Lord, that tree will grow into something huge, much bigger than the other plants in the garden. Where's the gospel in this? Daryl, you ain't said much about the God. I feel like I have, but if you didn't catch the gospel in this story, the gospel is this. It's the number one way to peace. If you don't believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, you will never have peace. If you do not put your trust in Jesus, you'll never have peace. You will be continuously running that race. You'll be continuously trying to reach the goal that just keeps moving. You may get a glimpse of happiness from your achievements, but they won't lead to freedom. If you don't have faith that there's more to life than this earthly body, then the rat race you're in every day will completely break you down. If you don't have hope in the future kingdom of God, your life will be a constant letdown of unmet goals. Again, I'm going to close with Revelation 3.20. And I hope you thought about what keeps you from opening the door to Jesus. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. Listen to the voice of God. Listen to Jesus knocking on your heart right now. Come to Him. Come to Him. Make Him a priority in your life. We are going to go into a time of reflection. And uh, every week we celebrate communion. We have stations throughout the sanctuary. And if anyone needs help with communion and, and can't go to a station, raise your hand and we'll have someone bring communion to you. But 
I just pray for you guys that as you are taking communion, as you're going through this daily life, I hope I've challenged you a little bit to try to draw closer to God, try to spend more time with Him, try to let Him in and, and change your life. It'll be life-changing. I promise you it'll be life-changing. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If, if there's anything that hinders you from letting Him in the door, get that distraction out of there. As we come up and, and do communion, if you don't know Jesus... Uh, we would love to meet with you. We're going to have elders on, on both sides. Keith will, will be over here too. And we will pray with you and help you understand and know and learn what a relationship with Jesus looks like and, and how to ask Him into your heart. And we just pray that you can, uh, you can take communion for the first time if you accept Jesus into your heart, if you've never had communion before. Um, and then we also want our families to just pray with one another, love on one another, take communion together. After the communion, we will do an offering. Yeah, you don't have to give, you can give. Whatever the Lord leads you to do. Love you guys. As always, I pray for you guys. I thank you for allowing me to draw closer to Jesus in these studies so I can come up here and, and hopefully proclaim the Word of God to you guys. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your peace. Thank you for your love, which is unfailing. Thank you that, that never doubt the love of God. Thank you for your assurance and promises in your word and in your songs, Greg and them sing, that, that just remind us that how great you love us. Help us, Father, to remember you and make you a priority in our lives. And Father, above all, give these Give our families and, and these people here, if I consider you guys family, give my family peace. All of us here, help us to feel that peace which surpasses all understanding. Help us rest in your peace. In Jesus' name.